somebody wake me? Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderbergh. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're QNO. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. Hey, everybody. My name is Jay Soderberg. I am also known as Pod Vader. I am here, as always, with my co-host, John Luckenbaugh, the founder of the Queued Up Podcasting Agency. Hello, John. What's up, Jay? How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. As people know, we talk every week about the business and tech of podcasting on Wednesday, so be sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode, because that's really important to never miss an episode. Uh, lately, we've been on a theme. I feel like we do a theme, and then we'll move on to a different theme, but we haven't, we're not quite ready to move off of the theme of Apple, John. I think we still have some more things to discuss when it comes to Apple podcasts, especially here at the beginning of the year, where there are a lot more new podcasters out there. Yeah, I agree, Jay. And for the lesson part, we're going to follow up on what you were saying last week with going into the audio formats of podcasting. I definitely have questions uh, when it comes to MP3, M4As, Waves, and then you found formats that I don't even know. I didn't even know existed. So I can't wait to talk about all of that. If you have questions that you would like us to deep dive into, you can always send them to us via the email that's info at queuedup.com queuedup is spelled qd hyphen up.com that's also the website to hire john and the team to work on your stuff let's jump into some more things about apple john shall we we should this is actually an older article that was released uh from those wonderful folks over at pacific content dan meisner in particular, wrote this particular article about analyzing the star ratings on the Apple Podcasts app. And I got to thinking about this because I learned a little trick uh, over the course of, of a few years about Apple star ratings. Did you know it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's a little trick that you can tell how large a podcast is based on their ratings in the Apple Podcasts app. Did you know that? Really? How do you do that? Well, you take the total number of their ratings and you multiply by four, and that gives you approximately the number of downloads that particular podcast gets per episode. Interesting. It's not a hard, like I said, it's not a hard and fast rule, uh, but you'll find more times than not that it comes pretty darn close to what the actual number is for that particular podcast. If you don't believe me, go and try it with your podcast and you're going to be surprised. Dan here back in November of 2020 did a full on analysis of star ratings in the Apple podcast app and grabbed a data set of 19,973,595 ratings from 1,307,258 shows that were in the Apple podcast app and then did a look at how all the numbers came out. So what he found was that of the nearly 20 million ratings, 87% of them are five-star ratings. 
People just love podcasts on the Apple Podcast app, John. Now, to me, honestly, I don't think that's quite surprising. What I think I find most surprising is that the second most popular number is four stars. Now, for me, I would have found one star to be the next most popular rating just because it's the internet and people like to troll. Uh, There are a bunch of trolls on the internet. Did you know that, John? Where do they hide? Uh, On the internet. That's where they hide. One-star ratings was not the second most popular. Four-star ratings were. However, the difference between (laughs) any of the other numbers compared to five-star ratings is astronomically low. Super, super low. There are a lot of podcasts that don't have any star ratings at all. And like I said, if you were to take what I said before about that rule of thumb number, then three quarters of your listeners don't leave you a star rating. Only one quarter of your listening ship even bothers rating your podcast. And then also understand that Apple is only a slice of the pie when it comes to your total listening audience. Now, it's the largest slice of the pie, as we've discussed numerous times, including in the last episode. It's up to 67%. Is that what we said the number was from Libsyn? I don't remember. But then again, remember that Libsyn is only a small piece of the pie of the total podcasting universe. And honestly, I was just listening to their latest episode of the feed and their numbers have come down since Joe Rogan has left their platform uh, and has become a Spotify exclusive. Libsyn previously hosted the Joe Rogan show, their percentages off of what (laughs) of the downloads that came from the different listening apps had a little bit of a change now that. Joe Rogan doesn't fuel a lot of those listens. But yeah, if you use the rule of thumb here, note that Crime Junkie is the most rated show on the Apple Podcast app with 248,000 US rating. So if you multiply by four, you're essentially at a million listens per episode with Crime Junkie. The Joe Rogan experience, 176,000. Call Her Daddy at 140,000. My Favorite Murder. 131,000, and then the Ben Shapiro show, 107,000. As was mentioned before, uh, most shows in the Apple Podcast app have zero US ratings. Of the 1.3 million shows that he analyzed, quite a number of them, over 800,000 podcasts had no ratings whatsoever. If we go back to what we learned from Daniel J. Lewis two episodes ago and the numbers that he provides to us, via podcastindustryinsights.com, we know that the number of podcasts that have only one episode is enormous in the Apple Podcast app. Currently, it is 25% of all the podcasts available in the Apple Podcast app have only one episode in the last 90 days. So that makes sense then. If you only have one episode, no one's going to know about the actually go and rate it then. Nobody's going to want to rate it. Right, right. <laughs> right? In a Libsyn-esque fashion, Dan sort of writes out, if you have four or more star ratings, you have more ratings than 50% of all shows in the Apple Podcast app. 11 or more, you have 75% more ratings, and it goes on and on. Basically, at 595 or more star ratings, you have more ratings than 99% of all shows. Wow. The average rating is 4.6 stars. Again, 
people love podcasts. People that listen to podcasts and listen to them on Apple just love the podcast. It's rare that you're going to get anything less than a five-star review. Also understand that when the only thing you tell your audience in your podcast is to go and leave you a five-star review, because why would you tell them to leave you anything else? That's all you're going to get are five-star reviews. Again, unless you're like a joke, I'll, you know, what'd be funny is I would be interested in knowing how large of a percentage the bigger shows are for those one-star ratings. Because I'll bet if you go to the Joe Rogan show, he has a very large one-star rating. I guarantee it. Why, why am I sitting here and guaranteeing it without actually doing the work? I'm going to the Joe Rogan show right now. Oh, except Joe Rogan's no longer on Apple. Ah, I can't <laughs> use the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, actually, all of his ratings are still available uh, in the Joe Rogan experience feed which is empty except for one podcast. Joe Rogan, by the way, 157,618 five-star reviews, 7,836 one-star reviews, but that is still third place to 9,872 four-star reviews. Isn't that weird? Nobody gives the show two stars or three stars. And I shouldn't say nobody because he still has a significant number of three-star and two-star reviews, but even if you were to combine them, they don't equal the four-star reviews. And he's spot on with the he's 4.7 star ratings on average. Hmm. See? There you go. Joe Rogan. Who'd know who'd have guessed he's the perfect one of his latest reviews from the twenty-seventh of January says only one episode, question mark, question mark, lots of question marks. Obviously, <laughs> Obviously, they're unaware of the removal from Apple Podcasts. Spotify exclusive (laughs) for Joe Rogan. The most rated shows are usually serialized podcasts. So these are shows that have a set end date. They're not, uh, or at least they show up in seasonal form. Serial, obviously, is a serialized podcast. Even better yet, using the examples here, Dr. Death, Revisionist History, Up and Vanished, Dirty John, Cold. These are serial-type podcasts. They're not episodic. Serialized podcasts have many more uh, star ratings on average. It looks like uh, almost 90%, uh, according to their little graph here. It's tough to tell. They give me the actual number, which is a little annoying. Whereas episodic that's under 20%. Looks like right around 15% or so. I don't know why that would be. Why more people are more likely to rate a serialized podcast other than an episodic. Other than you get to the end of the story and you feel like you need to react to the story as a whole versus an episodic podcast, which doesn't necessarily have a continuous story. I like this next one here, Jay. Explicit podcasts get more ratings. All right, John, it's time to throw in some swear words. Lucky for you, I just watched The History of Swear Words on on Netflix. Oh, (laughs) that sounds fantastic. Sounds like a show I need to watch. It's awesome. But again, the average number of star ratings per podcast, uh, just over 35 for explicit podcasts and just barely above 10 for clean podcasts. Dan's hypothesis to this is that 
if you're already listening to a show that that has explicit language or adult content, uh, you're more likely to provoke a strong response from your listeners. And in this particular case, in the form of a star rating. Again, I'm going to use a podcast that's run into some trouble. Call her daddy. Uh, that wonderful barstool podcast, which I, I don't know if you're into that kind of content. I'd recommend it's not necessarily the content for a married man of two, but call her daddy. Their star ratings are, (laughs) this is better than the Joe Rogan experience. 125,395 star ratings, but 15,083 one star ratings. Just so you're aware. Of course, call her daddy ran into a huge, uh, fallout between the hosts, uh, their, the co-hosts on that show not too long ago. I suspect a lot of the one star ratings came out of that particular battle that they had. But again, there, there's an example of an explicit podcast and they get a lot of ratings. What category do you think gets the most ratings though, John? I guess true crime. I mean, yeah, you cheated. You <laughs> saw the picture. That's the most serialized type of podcast, right? So, it would ah, make sense. very good deduction. Very good deduction. And the the biggest uh, podcast category, right? So that would just make sense. Well, what I find curious about that though is that the number two category is wilderness. Podcasts. Whoa, what is that? Let me tell you, man. <laughs> the opinions in wilderness podcasts are outrageous. So does a tree make a sound when it falls? I think that's exactly what they're rating on. Exactly. Exactly. If there's no one there to hear it, does a tree still make a sound when it falls in the woods? Yeah, that's that one's surprising. Fantasy sports doesn't surprise me no. at all. As I come from that world, politics being number four is a little bit of a surprise that it's number four. I mean, you want to talk about <laughs> want to talk about hot takes. Uh, there's plenty in, in politics for sure. And based on our current political landscape boy is it slanted one way or the other (laughs) after shows Hmm. in in fifth i think that's interesting too after shows i am assuming is referencing to podcasts that talk about the television programs right after they've aired Uh, so doing sort of a review Uh, i listen to a lot of these Uh, rob has a podcast is one that i do recommend Uh, he focuses a lot on uh, reality podcasting, but he also has the post show recaps network that's part of the Rob has a podcast universe, which focuses a little bit more on scripted uh, television programs. Golf. I didn't know golf people were so opinionated right up there in the top 10. Very interesting. A lot of sports focused in the top 20 overall in terms the least. <laughs> the the least rated podcasts are uh nonprofit podcasts chemistry podcasts and cricket podcasts sports news also all the way down at the bottom i guess it's just sort of like eh? uh sports news is just sort of giving it to me as it is i suppose same with mathematics There's really not a lot to argue with mathematics is there the one right above sports news is nature What's the difference between nature and wilderness? Wilderness is right up there at number two, and nature's in the bottom five. That's a <laughs> great question, John. You got to wonder why those two haven't been combined. 
interesting insights into star ratings at Pacific content. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, a lot of people think star ratings have to do with how you get ranked in the Apple podcast charts. However, that is not the case. And uh, James Cridlin over at Pod News has put out a wonderful article about understanding podcast statistics, because a lot of people don't seem to understand the numbers behind podcasting. They often wonder, you know, what is the most popular podcast in the world? Well, there isn't one list that exists currently that gets the numbers from every single place that you can listen to podcasts. Every single list that you see is held back by either the clientele that pay that particular list to be part of their analytics or only features the numbers that you get from that particular app, such as the Apple podcast charts. Edison Research does studies on a quarterly basis, but again, they are talking to only a sample of people and extrapolating that sample to fit the entire universe. Similar to like what we said when it comes to Apple podcast reviews, it's only a quarter of your entire listening audience on Apple that you're actually seeing leave a review. So it's still just a sampling of your overall total listening audience. You can never find a subscriber number. People ask this, how many subscribers do I have? Well, you, you don't know. Uh, uh, Apple is the only one that could tell you, and Apple doesn't tell you. What you can do, and again, this is making, this is making an assumption, and we all know what assume means. If we want to make this an an explicit podcast, I can explain to you what assume means. Basically, the total number of people that download your podcast, the total number that you see of people that have downloaded your podcast within a 24-hour period, you can make the assumption that those are all subscribers, especially if you see that number consistently or you see that number grow consistently over the course of the lifetime of your podcast. This is basically a rule of thumb and an assumption uh, that the people that are listening to your podcast on a regular basis are subscribers, and by subscribing, they're getting the podcast automatically downloaded into their device within the first 24 hours of the release of your podcast. If they're downloading the podcast two days, three days, four days later after the release of the podcast, it's more, it's more likely than not that they did not subscribe to your podcast. They are now downloading it fresh on that particular date and time. And they're only downloading that one particular episode, not your entire catalog of episodes in the background. I can tell you from looking at my own podcast that I can see that I've had a couple of new subscribers to my to my little football podcast, Next Fan Up, because I've seen spikes in my numbers, but I haven't seen that number reflected in my individual episode of the podcast that I just released, which means these spikes are people that are subscribing to my podcast and getting my back catalog downloaded uh, into their feed. I apologize to you all because I do have a large back catalog of podcasts being around for over six years now. (laughs) My pocketbook doesn't apologize, but I apologize because all those podcasts are loaded with dynamic ads. Uh, that is the benefit of dynamic ads, as I can still monetize the back those old episodes, and I get credit for when a podcast is downloaded on Apple, especially. James goes through and explains 
how the Apple podcast charts work. And it's based on the most recent subscriptions. And I love the example that he gives in his article here about understanding exactly how this works. Basically saying podcast one has spread by word of mouth. It has three new subscribers every day and has existed for three years. It will never appear on the Apple podcast chart since that it is worked out using the most recent subscriptions. It now has 3000 subscribers and almost as many downloads per episode uh, because those people are subscribing. Now, podcast two launched in a blaze of publicity three days ago. It got 200 new subscribers in one day, but has trickled away to very few new subscribers. It has a total of 230 subscribers, but it did very well on its launch and it appeared at number 20 in the Apple podcast charts. So they can see while podcast one has never appeared in the Apple podcast charts, it is over 10 times larger than podcast number two. Because people will always say, I was number one in the Apple podcast chart. No, it doesn't mean anything other than you had a bunch of new subscribers on that particular <laughs> really recently. And I think I've shared the story. I don't remember if I've shared it publicly on a podcast, uh, but there was a time where This American Life made it so that you couldn't subscribe to their podcast on a regular basis. Basically, you had to resubscribe to their show every time they released a new episode, which made them show up at number one in the podcast charts for a very, very, very long time, which I thought was actually kind of brilliant on their part. The fact that you had to just basically become a new subscriber each and every week made them show up at the top of the charts all the time. Now, This American Life is also a very large podcast. Don't get me wrong. They have a large number of subscribers. But to make sure that they maintained that, they they did something very funky so that they could game the charts in their favor. But this is also very interesting, John, that you can have a fairly sizable size audience and never show up in the Apple podcast charts at all because it goes by the number of most recent subscribers. Right. So you have to kind of game the system to 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 be on that. Um, uh, this is a great article here uh, from James uh, at Pod News, and I highly recommend that you go and and read through it so that you get a better understanding about all of the numbers that uh, that you can see, specifically when it comes to Apple, also when it comes to your own podcast hosting stats. Understand that your podcast host will show you the total number of downloads to your podcast from all listening platforms. In some cases, they're going to present you with numbers that you can only get based off of what they see on the player that they provide for you. So oftentimes you might see a, your audience has listened to this amount of your podcast. Well, that's only based on the number of people that are listening to that particular player. They don't get that listening type of data back from Apple or Spotify or anywhere else. You can only get those types of numbers when you go and check those numbers out on those platforms. Even Apple will show you in their analytics that only you can see when you log into your Apple account, uh, the total number of, you know, the, the people that are listening and how long they're listening to your podcast. Again, understand that is only the people that are listening on the Apple podcast app, not from people that are listening on the Spotify app. When you log into Spotify, you can see the, how the how the audience is reacting to your content on the Spotify app, 
but you're not getting any information as to how people are reacting to that content on CastBox or on Acast or on any of the other many listening apps that are out there. So just remember when you get that type of information that it is only a sample of your audience that you're actually getting that number for. Now, you can make assumptions based on that audience. Again, knowing that Apple is the largest part of your audience, you can you can sort of make that apples to oranges comparison and say, well, then a majority of my audience would probably react to my content in the exact same way as the audience listening on Apple. In some cases, depending on the type of content that you're doing, that may not be the case. So understand that as well. Uh, James will purport in this particular write-up that a listen coming from Google Podcasts or Spotify might be even that much more valuable because those particular platforms are quote-unquote streaming, right? As you'll be told by some of the OGs, there is no platform that is truly a streaming platform. It's really a progressive download that is occurring to your podcast, meaning it downloads your content in chunks and then plays back that content as it's downloading more chunks of the podcast. But still, you can understand why Spotify wants to get involved in this and start monetizing podcasts. But Spotify also, I believe, understands that the amount of audience that's listening on Spotify versus listening everywhere else is still only a very small portion of the total listening audience. And the fact that the total listening audience is still so small compared to radio and television, we still have a lot of growth left to go when it comes to podcasting uh, as a mature broadcasting medium. All right, John, I think I've said enough about the Apple podcasts and numbers and listening. I'm ready to learn a lesson. All right. So let's follow up on what we were discussing last week and let's get into the audio formats for podcasts. Which one is the best format to use? So audio files use extensions like MP3, WAVE, M4A, WMA. These file types are used to store and process audio. So an MP3, Jay, do you remember way back, way, way, way back when MP3 first came out, how difficult it was to play an MP3 on a device? Like talking about like Winamp, when you had to download Winamp just in order to play your MP3s or your CD player on your car doesn't didn't play MP3s or, <laughs> or yeah, <laughs> you had to find a way around just to get your mp3 to play even your audio editor went export as mp3 you had to get a, an additional file conversion afterwards so now it's the most widely accepted audio format and can be pretty much played on any device now the format allows for special information to be stored in the audio file called id3 tags they contain information about the track such as the artist's name the album name, artwork can also be stored, and that's all stored as metadata. So when it's brought up on a device, it automatically generates on that device. So you can see the, the cover art of a music album or of a podcast. The next file format is the M4A, 
more technically, it's called the Advanced Audio Coding, or AAC. I kind of feel like this is going to be the next big audiophile thing that comes around and probably will take over MP3. These have an overall smaller file size, but better audio quality. I find that most hosting sites do allow you to upload M4A. And places like iTunes, they use the M4A as a main type of audio format. While a lot of devices like iPhones and Androids, they also accept M4A files. Apple even created file extensions for specific uses like the M4B, which is for audiobooks. A lot of our clients we that we do audiobooks for, we, we also create M4B files for them. These are bookmarkable audio files. So if you're listening to your audiobook on your commute and you have to stop on chapter two, a couple minutes into chapter two, you hit stop and you come back on your commute home, you can pick up right at that point. You don't have to scroll forward or backwards to to find your positioning. It, it actually maintains your position in the chapter and you can go forward and backwards on chapters then too. But I can do that on a podcast, John. When I stop listening to my podcast, it picks right up where I left off. Right. Well, that's a lot different when you're listening to a 15-hour audio book. So. Mm. <laughs> so you don't have to, if it does turn off for some reason, you don't have to scroll 13 hours and 42 minutes to, <laughs> to listen to the last hour and a half, you know? That's a lot of scrolling. Another file format is called the WAV format, which is spelled W-A-V. These are raw audio files that record exactly what, what they hear. There's nothing that's compressed, but the file sizes are enormous. So it's mm. it's not something that you want to be using for uploading to websites, hosting sites, or sending through emails. Your receiver is going to hate you when they have a several hundred megabyte wave file coming in. Or if you have to download it on your phone, that's going to take up the majority of your, of your phone space. I normally edit and produce in wave files. And then I compress to MP3 when I'm finished. Why is that? To save space. If I send it out to clients, then it's usually in an MP3 format. Why are you editing in MP3? Why do you prefer to edit in Wave? Because it's uncompressed and the sound quality is, is much more original, I, I would say. The mm. sound quality is a lot better. I mean, if you can record in Wave format, then I would recommend that. The next format is called the WMA, or Windows Audio Media. I don't know why it's it's WMA when it's Windows Audio Media. It should seem like WAM, but... Wham! Yeah. So this is designed for Windows and Windows only. And you can't run on anything else without having to go through a lot of effort. And another one is called the FLAC, Free Lossless Audio Codec. These files have audio that is compressed, but without the loss in quality. I'd say the major downside of this file is that it isn't as widely known as the MP3. I've never heard of it. <laughs> exactly. So let's get into MP3 versus M4A for podcasting. I have this uh, article that I found on Blueberry, which was from the end of 2019, so it's a little bit older of an article. And they ask, what's the most popular for podcasting, MP3s 
versus M4As. And the first graphic that they have here is that they, based off of 800,000 shows, that MP3s were favored in 47% compared to 39% for M4As for the last episode that they published. Off that graphic alone, it seems like M4As would be a, a good choice, correct? Well, why are so many shows publishing in M4A? <laughs> if you go down a little bit further on the article, it says that the percentage of M4As actually goes 82% of those that are publishing M4As is on the Anchor platform alone. Mm. And only 18% are being published in the rest of the market. So the reason for Anchor to use this is to save file space on their side. Now, as we said, the M4A, you have a better audio quality, and it's also a smaller file. So Anchor isn't necessarily giving you a lower quality audio file, if that makes sense. Right. So why why would you choose an MP3 over an M4A? Well, I mean, the pros for MP3 are that they're used everywhere. It's the most widely used format. The a con for MP3 is that you can get better compression and audio quality off of M4A. A con for M4A would be that there are some hosts or there are some platforms that don't accept M4As, such as Spotify. Mm. So if you want to cut out a large part of your podcast listening audience by only doing M4As, then I mean, I don't think that would be a wise choice. And I find that you had mentioned earlier about the dynamic ad insertion. Most of those accept MP3s. So if you're only submitting M4As or using M4As, then then there's a lot of things that you're not going to be able to use. Interesting. My recommendation is if you want to use the M4A, convert MP3 so that you don't lose out on their Spotify and your dynamic ad insertion but then you can still have the smaller file size and better audio quality in M4A. Very interesting. If you had to only pick one, I would say just stick with an MP3. Here's a question for you, John. If if I was a client of Queued Up and I was recording my own episode, I recorded in Wave. You don't want me to send you the Wave. You would prefer me to send you an MP3, no? No, I would prefer to be sent the wave, what I would do is I, I would send a file sharing link either through Dropbox or Google Drive or something for you to upload in, unless you have that service that you can send a, a download link to us. And mm. I would prefer to to work with the raw audio files. So if you're working with someone, you still want to send them the wave. But if you are have a finished product, you want that to be an MP3. Correct. Correct. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Well, I hope you all learned something here. Basically, just use MP3s. Or, as we just said, record in a wave, wave. but ultimately end up in an MP3. Yes. It does sound like there are some advantages to M4A that the industry needs to maybe investigate further and make that a format that is more widely accepted on other platforms. I think in time, it'll, it'll switch over to M4A. Well, I don't know. This article from Blueberry was published at the end of 2019, and we're now at the beginning of 2021. I don't hear a lot of people 
pushing for M4A to become the format for audio at this particular point in time. Could just be me, though. Maybe I'm not hanging out in the right circles. Maybe if Apple flexes their muscles, then they can start pushing this kind of format a little bit. (laughs) You scare me when you say Apple is going to flex their muscles. That's (laughs) That's never a good thing. Speaking of Apple, let's uh, let's go back to them one last time and take a look at the end of January stats provided by Daniel J. Lewis and the service at podcastindustryinsights.com. As we end January, uh, we're looking at 1,824,851 total valid podcasts in the Apple podcasting app. I mean, we're going to hit 2 million in no time. I mean, the amount of growth, we almost see, let's see, it's almost almost 100,000 new podcasts each month in the, in the last month. That is, that is outstanding growth. 44,444, 44, <laughs> lots of fours. You can't even say the number. <laughs> 44,440,672 total episodes available on Apple Podcasts. That's a lot of episodes to listen to. You know what would be fun to find out? I wonder if these are in Daniel's um, advanced stats. How many days would it take to listen to all of the episodes (laughs) in the Apple podcasting app? That'd be a fun number to know. In the previous 30 days, 94,638 podcasts were actually added. I mean, like I said, that's just out. That's just amazing. Uh, only 6,330 were removed in the last 30 days. The amount of new podcasts that are available continues to grow at a rapid rate, despite the fact that people are sort of starting to get back to normal. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. Wow. We'll see, right? What was the magic number Daniel said? Uh, was it 10? So the total number of podcasts that you produce? Yes. Yep. We'll see how many how many podcasters uh, that released over the last 30 days will end up in that 10-plus episodes category. If they're only releasing one a week, uh, it's going to take them a couple months to get there. But you can get there. We got there. Still going. <laughs> Still going. We're like just like the Energizer Bunny. John, if people did want to hire you for the services at the Queued Up Podcasting Agency, how do they get in touch with you? You can find us on our website, which is queuedup.com, qd-up.com, or contact us through email, which is info at queuedup.com. We are also available on all social channels. Reach out to us on there, too, if you want. That website, qd-up.com, undergoing some changes. The podcast yes. is finally available at the website, which is kind of nice, but uh, still, still some more construction going on. I'll be excited to share some of that once we get everything finalized. Absolutely. Uh, If you want to reach out to me to talk about podcasting or what have you, be a guest on your show, talk football. Uh, I am at the real pod Vader on Twitter. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn uh, pod Vader there as well. Uh, I mean, pod Vader is very easy to find. I I think he sticks out kind of like a sore thumb. If you want to email me, if you prefer that form of communication next fan up, at gmail.com. It is the email for my football podcast, but it is the best way to get in touch with me 
in that particular format. All right, John, another fantastic episode here. Unless you have any final last wise words, I think I can say, there you have it.